we're in a series uh, right now, in the middle of a series, if you're just joining, it's called Devoted, and the series is all about Christian community. It's kind of like not just telling us like we need to meet, but it's really uns- like peeling the layers of why it is we actually don't do this very well as Christians, how we like have like pseudo community, which is like fake community, and how we like gather, but we're not really known. We don't really know. And we actually, very few people actually center relationships on Jesus, and that's what it means to be Christian community. And a lot of people center their relationships on church. A lot of people center their relationships on Bible studies, which isn't inherently bad, but there is something uh, uh, something necessary about centering friendships on the resurrected real person of Jesus and doing it in a consistent uh, fashion. And so today to start off, I want to tell you about a guy named John Wesley. Um, Some of you know who this is, other of you who don't, he's a kind of a Christian leader in the 1700s and he he was an evangelist meaning that he traveled to preach the gospel to Europe and then eventually his movement spread to the Americas. And he came preaching the gospel. He was kind of like, he, he was not, the mainline denomination was like the reformed movement, um, which was, he was just more different. He was a, what was called a continuationist or an Armenian. So he believed in like healing and he believed in just different aspects of salvation. And, and so he went around preaching the gospel. It's interesting though, because a lot of people know him as the, he started the Methodist church and he has a lot of, right, he's known for a lot of different things. But as you study his life and as you learn more about him, it's just really interesting that he, he was, he did preach the gospel, but his movement was so powerful, not because of his preaching. His movement was so powerful because of the small communities that he pioneered. His whole movement, the Methodist movement in the 1700s, was based on small gatherings of people that they called a class, in a sense like a classroom. And these people met weekly, centered on the spiritual disciplines, centered on um, prayer and hymns, and they were consistent gatherings of small groups of people. It's interesting, we'll learn more about their small gatherings. And, uh, and this is what uh, John Wesley said. So although he was the pioneer of this massive global movement in the 1700s where there was no Instagram, no Facebook, no internet, no phones, like, like think about being a, a global leader when you're riding horses and sending telegrams. Like think about being a global, uh, like a global leader in that environment, right? It's impressive when we have global leaders now with the technology that we have. And this is the way he did it was through small communities-centered on Jesus. Now, John Wesley got a lot of credit because he pioneered the movement, but he understood something that, that natural growth, in, like growth happens when small groups of people love each other and are centered on Jesus, not centered on a pastor. And this is what a quote that he has. It says, the gospel of Christ knows of no religion but social, meaning social religion. No holiness, but social holiness. Basically, what he's saying there is he's saying, you cannot be an isolated Christian. If you are claiming to be a Christian and you are not known and you do not know, if you are not social in your faith, there is no such thing as an isolated Christian. You can't be one because the love of Christ will compel you to enter into community. Now, if you're struggling in that area right now, I'm not saying you're not a Christian. 
What I am saying, though, is that we have a privatized culture in which we have rights and individual liberties, and the American culture tends to infiltrate into the Christian culture where we think our, all of our business is our own business. It's I'll do me, you do you. But in Christianity, it is a social, it is a social faith. And so as he started these classes, these gatherings, who just normal people would be, in a sense, the pastors or leaders of these groups, they spread throughout all of Europe and they spread throughout all the American, all, all, through the Americas, Americas, through America. And then this is what it says, uh, David Lowe, who studied John Wesley, says this, it was a weekly gathering, a subdivision of the society at which members were required to give an account to one another of their discipleship and thereby to sustain each other in their witness. And so here we see this movement that was just massively, that God was like flowing through this Methodist movement in the 1700s, and it was about this idea of accountability to their discipleship to Christ. And an interesting fact is that a person could not go to the large Methodist gatherings if they were not attending the class. You, that'd be like us saying, like, right, we're, we're going to, like, you have your devoted groups, or your, like, your groups that have small Christians that are devoted and, and practicing spiritual disciplines. That's like me saying, or Pastor Dwayne saying, you cannot come on Sunday morning unless you are in a small group of people. Like, you can't come. It's interesting how, we talked about it last week, but there's almost like two different types of Christians where you have Christians that are like, I love small group and home church and like, I don't need the big church, I don't need to go on Sunday. And then you have the people that are like, I only go on Sunday, I don't need to be known, as long as I check the box of church, then I'm good. And it's crazy how when we read the Gospels and we read the Scriptures, that actually shows us that we're supposed to do both. Meet in small groups, house to house, and come to the synagogue, come to the church, come to the, the gathering of Christians. So today I want to talk to you really about being devoted to a bigger mission. Being devoted to a bigger mission than just yourself. So we're going to be in Acts 2.42 through, through 47. It'll be up on the screen as you read it, as, as I read it. I ask you just to follow along with me. It says, they devoted themselves, meaning the Christians, the, the first Christians after Christ had resurrected. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. And so the first week of this series, we talked about how we need to be devoted to create environments that revolve around Jesus. This is where we practice spiritual disciplines as small groups of people. I'm not talking about necessarily an organized small group that's ordained by Res Life. I'm saying Christians should be gathering around Jesus and the spiritual disciplines. So to kind of like model that and to really do this as a community today in our community groups, we're going to be taking communion together. So after we dismiss, we go off into different uh, community groups or groups of smaller pods, and we're going to talk about the message. Before we talk about the message, though, you're going to be taking communion together. 
And simply the reason why we do that, the reason why we take communion, is because it centers ourselves on Jesus. It's like, it's like, why are we here? His body was broken for us. His blood was poured out as a sign of the new covenant that he was making with us. Why are we, why are we saved? Because of Jesus. If I have a grudge against somebody, oh man, Jesus told me to forgive others the same way he forgave me. You see, it's like this, this, this action that, that anchors us in the message of the gospel, which is communion. And so you'll take that in your community groups uh, later on. And then we also talked about last week, we said we cannot reach the purpose that God has called us to without being devoted to the people God has called us to. And really just diving into what it means to serve one another. And today we're going to be really focusing on Acts 2.47, where it says, Praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. God wants to add more Christians and more children into his family through your life. Your life, although God loves you dearly, loves us all dearly, one of the main assignments that you have on your life is to know Jesus and to have a relationship with him in such a way that your life is a bridge to Christ for the lost and dying that you know. And although that's true individually, what's also true is that we have a world that is lost, that is depressed, that is searching, that is rebellious, that is lonely. And although you have a personal mission to be a bridge to the lost, to bring them to Christ or to show them or model Christ, you have an assignment from God to live in small groups of community that together embody the love that Jesus showed us. And in doing so, like what happened in Acts 2, people will be added to the kingdom of God, not through preaching, not through worship nights, not through evangelism, but I believe that the most, the most untapped potential of evangelism is inviting a friend, an unbeliever, into a healthy, vibrant, small community of Jesus people. But the reason why we don't do that is because we don't have that. Come to my church, come to my church, come to my service so you can hear Pastor Dwayne. Come to church so you can come to Pastor Jake. Get, you, know, you gotta come to this worship night. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be amazing. You gotta come to all these things. You gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go. Listen, God is God is like creative, He's powerful. God is like, He will use a donkey to speak to people, right? We read about that in the Bible. Like He will use any means necessary to reach people. But I believe that we should look to the scriptures to the way that it was done and intended so we can reap the benefits, the resources, and the anointing that God has on those who do it the right way. Many of your friends will never come to church, but they will come to your home. And I'm looking for people the series is devoted 
but it is actually a focus that we have in our young adults group in Access. There's a focus we're going to have for the next year is to get as many people possible in devoted Acts 2 communities so that we can expand the kingdom, not through evangelistic outreaches, but through the love of Christ that Christians show to each other, and they always say, we have room for one more. We got room for one more. Because it's not about me and our friendships. It's not about me and not being lonely and not wanting someone else to ruin our vibes. It's not about any of those things. It's about us saying, listen, this group is centered on Jesus and we want to add to our number day by day those who are being saved. Now, I'm not saying that you should add people every week because that can be toxic and you can add people at the wrong time. That's why you need to center on Jesus and obey what he says to do for your group. Is this making sense? And I'm telling you guys, like evangelism is not hard if you have a small group of community that love Jesus and has a heart to see lost people saved. You just invite people, someone over for a time where you pray and a time where you're taking communion or maybe a time that you're just hanging out. And the life and the love and the peace and the joy and the friendship and the fellowship and the sacrifice and the generosity, I'm telling you, it breaks down barriers, walls, criticisms, cynical attitudes. It breaks things down so much because you were ma- everyone's made for it. Everyone thinks evangelism is so hard. It's not hard. They were made for God. They were made by God. They just need to get environments in which God is just radiating and overflowing. And oftentimes church is such a, it's a great place for that. I hope that doing it in small groups we can get together and like we just get better at expressing Jesus. But oftentimes these are the scariest environments for unsaved and lost and searching people because we have the lights, we have the music, we have the weird things. Like why are people raising their hands? You have people on the floor. They're like, what is going on? What is going on? There's so many like obstacles that can happen at church and it's like, it's like, but actually, if you're just like real people who love Jesus and sacrifice for each other, we can add to our number day by day those who are being saved. You don't need a pastor. You don't need an evangelist. You need Jesus, though. And you need people to do it with and sacrifice for and run after it. So you see, today's about being devoted to a bigger mission. Being devoted to a bigger mission. So I'm going to be running up and down. Um, I'm going to be running up and down to these, this table just to kind of like model what I mean by this. Um, we're talking about communion and, and, and relationship and being devoted and I got this picture as I was studying and praying and it's really just a picture of like the Lord's table and like community but so often we do Bible studies, small groups, worship nights and, and we and we do it like this, where Jesus is right here. Like my relationship with Jesus, what God showed me, right? And then they're doing it, they're doing it, they're doing it. The people in your community, you come together, and maybe you don't even do this. Maybe it's like your phone, and you're just not even talking to people. Or maybe it's like sports, or maybe it's all these other things that we might have at the center of our friendships. And I got this picture of us taking our personal relationship with Jesus in our communities of friendships, where we're gathering consistently on the spiritual disciplines. We're gathering to worship, to read scripture, to take communion. We're gathering to sacrifice for each other, to express what God's doing in our life, to share testimonies. Like I I got this picture of instead of it being like this, private, I got this picture of our community, people gathering and going, Jesus, this is why we're here. Does that make sense? Do you get the picture? 
where it's like not about what Jesus is doing in me, it's actually just about Jesus. And then as we all do that, in his kingdom, in his love, and his truth, as we do that, and that's why we need spiritual disciplines. That's why communion is so powerful, is you take communion with a community, and you're like, man, it's just like we're all going to Jesus, right? And then as we do this, kind of the picture that I got is as we center our, until we center our friendships on the person of Jesus consistently, you will never get an ass, a, a group assignment without group surrender. So many people desire, right? God, I believe God has a purpose for every person, right? But I th- sometimes think that message is preached too often. Because what we should be preaching is there, is there are group assignments in the kingdom of heaven. Like, I hated group assignments in college. Like, those were, like, the worst because I was the guy who, like, did all the work and everyone else was just like, yeah, Jake, yeah, you got it, man. Go for it. Because I wanted an A and other people were bad students. Anyway, sorry. But there are group assignments. But until, I'll say it again, until you surrender as a group, you won't get a group assignment. And you can't, this is a funny statement, you cannot surrender in a group without surrendering in a group. I know it's a silly statement, but it's, it's like profound. <laughs> like you can't talk about, you can't like go to your community group and be like, hey you guys, are we going to surrender? Yeah, we're going to, you can't actually, that doesn't work. Until you actually go through the awkward of like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean for us to surround? Until you go through the actual process of saying, Jesus, you are here, and we are here to love you, and then to love one another, and then to have a bigger impact. We want, we want to go more than just what we're capable of. Until you do that, you won't reap the benefits of the blessing that God has commanded on small groups of people who gather. It's called his church. It's not 5013Cs. It's not buildings. It's Groups of people who are built on the rock, on the revelation of who Jesus is. So this is my question to you is, do you want to live a a life that is significant in the eyes of God? Do you want to? We have to do things then that are different. We have to do things that we haven't done. We have to count the cost of friendships that that aren't fruitful. We have to count the cost of relationships that are leading us to rebellion. We have to count the cost of of habits that need to die. We have to count the cost of conversations that need to be had. We need to count the cost of hobbies that need to go into the grave. We have to count the cost of how much time we spend on our phone. We need to count the cost of the movies, the videos, the music we're watching. We have to count the cost. If we want to live a life that's significant in the eyes of God, we have to start doing things that are in alignment with with what God would intend you to do in order to live a significant life. It's not just you doing you. It's you dying to you so you can pick up a new life that's filled with peace and joy. You see, Jesus came and he modeled what it looked like to be a Christian. He says, not my will, your will be done. He says, I've come to become everything that you weren't so that you could live a life that is so much more, that is so much more significant and, 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 and ridiculously peaceful and fulfilled 
He came to give us this life. You see, God himself came to earth, embodied humanity, and sacrificed himself, showing us what true life looked like, which is surrender to the Father and sacrifice for others. But so many people are afraid. I want you to think of like some people that you look up to. Think of some people you look up to. I, I think of some people like Pastor Dwayne. I'm like, that dude is a freaking rock star. Dude is like crazy. Like, I think of guys that have been influential in my life, like his name, just like, like pastors that I've gleaned from and their teachings and stuff. Like Dan Moeller, who is this guy I found on YouTube, he's crazy. He's like amazing. Like, he's so cool. I've learned, gleaned so much from him. And then Robbie Dawkins, just his, his love for the, for the Middle East. And Francis Chan's been such a blessing. Heidi Baker and her mission work in Mozambique and across the world. Like all these people like, that I look up to, like I would say, I want to be where they are, right? Like I want to have a, a, an impact that is so much bigger than what, what a kid from Granville should ever accomplish. Like I want to live a life that b- brings fame to Jesus. Like that's what I want. And I hope it may not be the same for you, like the way it would look for me, but I hope that you have a desire to live a life that is so much bigger than what you're living right now. I hope that you have a desire inside of you to live a life that is beyond your own self-preservation and what you can accumulate with finances and marriage and kids. I hope it's something bigger than just that because Jesus has made you with an assignment, with a purpose, with a task to do that is bigger than yourself. And I hope you have the desire and I hope to fan that into flame tonight. So I see those people like Dan Muller, Robbie Dawkins, Francis Chan, and I say, I want to be where you are. But here's the question. Do I want to put the work in necessary to get where you are? Am I willing to sacrifice what you sacrificed? Because ultimately, sacrifice is the payment to get where you want to go. Am I willing to do the things necessary, not to get to a destination, but to become the type of person that God would choose? to express himself in a way that would bring glory to himself. I'm just saying, are we willing to work for it? Are we willing to get around that table? Are we willing to get around the table together? Even when it's awkward. (laughs) Even when you go home and you're like, that was not as as good as I thought it was going to be. Like, yeah, that... Yeah, we might, we might need to change something for next week. We, you know, you're like, why didn't it go good? Okay, maybe this is why it didn't go good. Listen, it's okay. Are you willing to push through and persevere? You see, it's in these gatherings of people that we center on Christ, that we learn to listen and obey. We learn to, 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 to take off the cloak of control. And say, God, I just, we just give you control. Speak what you want to speak. Do what you want to do. Do in me what you want to do. And do in us what you would like to do in us. It's about not settling. It's about not going through the motions. It's about not just taking a checklist and checking it off your box. It's about becoming people who are devoted to a bigger mission. Devoted to bigger impact. It's not I'm devoted to a bigger impact. It's that we're devoted to a bigger impact. And, you know, I ask myself, why, like, why is it that very few people, like, why are, why is it that very few people do this? Like, 
you'd think, we all crave, we all crave that type of environment in which like there's peace and joy and friendship and love for one another. Like we all want that, we're made for it. Like why is it that we don't do it? Like you'd think, we all want it. You'd think that we would just do it. <laughs> like it'd be like, hey, let's just do it. But nobody, like very few people do it. And I, I think some of the reason is because of counterfeit community. I think it, there's counterfeit community that expresses itself in all shapes and sizes. Whether it's like Instagram, like where you get in a little community, you got an Instagram influencer, you follow, and then you message her, and then she's oh, she messaged me back, and then, and then you're going on the live streams, you chat, and then they, they say you by name, and you're like, they know my name. Like, no, your username is right there, okay? They don't know you by name, let's be real. Okay, sorry. And then you have like all these counterfeit communities, not that they're fake, not that they don't care, but it's like, it's just enough of community that you feel like you got community. It's not that it's fake, it's just that it's not the real thing. It's not that the dollar bill, the fake $100 bill, it's not that it's not actually paper, and it doesn't say one zero zero. it's the fact that it's not the real thing. So you have Instagram, you have YouTube channels, you have partying, you have... Uh, you have movies, you have like online gaming communities, you have sports, you have uh, like people who have hobbies and they do different activities together. You have all these different types of communities that are trying to form and social groups that are trying to make connections and so you don't want to be lonely, so you do all these things. And that they do offer community. And a lot of these things offer acceptance, they offer laughs, they offer joy, and they offer friendships. But they're not the real thing. You know, recently I did a, a six-week, like, extre- pretty extreme diet. I did no oats, no grains, no wheat, no dairy, no eggs. Um, what else? Did I, I, I eliminated something else. I, did, I like, eliminated, like a, punch, like, a bunch of stuff. I basically ate uh, veggies and meat <laughs> and quinoa. <laughs> That's what I ate. <laughs> yeah, Brian was making fun of me, like, the entire time. But, so it was crazy, like, I felt like the first week was, like, pretty hard. I was like, I could really go for some Vitaly's pizza right now. And then I was like, right, and then I'm like, crave, I didn't know coffee either. Then I was like, oh, man, I really want coffee right now. Oh, my gosh, I just want some wild roast coffee. And so I was craving these things. But by the end of the six weeks, I was craving onions. (laughs) I'm serious. It was the weirdest thing. I was, like... My romaine lettuce and onion, and then I would put carrots in there, and then I have tomatoes, and then I, and I had, right, all, I, I discovered so many different foods that I loved during the six weeks. And I started to crave the real thing. Until you detox, you often don't know what the real thing is. You see, I had to detox from the counterfeit to crave the real thing. And I think that's true with community. Not that you need to detox, but a lot of people need to detox from their counterfeit forms of community where we like just get enough to go by. You know what I'm saying? It's like the food that I was eating, it was like it was it was it was making me it was 
making, I'm still alive, you know what I mean? Like the pizza and the subs and the bread and all the things. Like I was eating them and it's like, I'm still alive. But once I got off of them and started eating the real thing, my body started to crave the real thing. And so what I, the point in saying that is that we have to be in the environment. It's not good enough for me to come up and, this is an inspirational message for us to take action. This is an inspirational message for us to stop settling for counterfeit community, to stop settling just for coming to access, to stop settling just to going to church, is to actually live in vibrant, smaller communities with other Christians who are, who are centered on the spiritual disciplines where we can encounter Christ and experience real fellowship with other believers. And once you do it, you will realize, you know what's funny? I was done with my, I did a six-week detox. Guess what my first meal was when I was done? No. Not pickles, no. Pizza. Who said pizza? I got a Vitali's pizza. Oh, my gosh. That's my favorite pizza. I said it twice in this message already. And I ordered it, and I had, like, four pieces. Oh, man, it tasted so good. But guess what happened the next morning? I was like... Oh my gosh, I, feel, I felt so terrible. And that's what will happen for us. This is when you encounter the real thing, the counterfeit doesn't do. When you encounter real community, when you sacrifice in real community, when you sit in the awkward of real community, when you persevere in real community, you'll encounter Christ in a way that you, just coming to church won't do anymore. Like it won't do anymore. Because this is the way God designed it. It's a smaller groups of people gathering to center themselves on Christ and then gathering in the larger community. So now we're not empty looking for community. We're coming as the gathering already full. Our cups are overflowing. So when we worship, we just like leak on each other and we're just like, like we're just like full. Like our cups overflow. We're not looking. We're not looking for to be filled. We're not looking to like, oh my gosh, they were, you know, they didn't say hi to me. Oh my gosh, are we okay? Like we're full. Like, we're good to go. We're content. We're centered on Christ. We're fulfilled in Christ. But we're also fulfilled in our relationships that are centered on Christ. And we're moving to make a bigger impact than we could ever make on our own. This is community. And it's, it's, it's this. It's no agenda other than just saying we want our relationship, our, our community to be based on Jesus. And this is what it says in Acts 1.14 about, this is before the day of Pentecost, before the verse that we read in Acts 2. It says, all these disciples, so this is before, this is before they encountered all the good stuff that we read about in Acts 2.42. This is what happens before. This is the attitude we need to have before we reap the blessing and the benefit of the Holy Spirit. All these with one accord, one mind, one heart. One vision, one mission. We're devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Basically, this group of people, before they ever encountered the Holy Spirit, they were here devoting themselves to prayer and to Christ. And in Acts 2.42, we see the benefit, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is evangelism, and which is day by day adding to the body of Christ. Adding people who were lost 
and then were found, who were, who were on their way to hell, and now they have a relationship with Jesus and are full of life. People who were depressed coming into family, people who were lonely coming into acceptance. It was day by day in these small groups of people. See, Christ came to build his church. He said that the gates of hell would not prevail. God has an assignment for us to live. It's in devoted communities that revolve around Jesus. It's in the sacrifice for the kingdom. It's in listening to the direction of the Holy Spirit for yourself and the other people. You guys, our city needs us. Our college campuses need us. Our high schools, our, like, they need us. And they don't need us to go out there and invite them to church. They need us to live in community so we're full. So when we go out there and invite them to church, they come and they see the real church of Christ living in community, not just attending a service. That's what we need, guys. And I'm calling on you to take ownership of your life. Jesus is calling on you to take ownership of your life. Stop making excuses and start taking a risk and entering into this type of community with the people that God's placed in your life. Some of you need to cut relationships, not maybe not cut them, maybe just put a pause on them. Some of you need to reevaluate relationships and friendships. Some of you need to go and make amends with friends who you've burnt bridges with but are Christians and you know you need them. You see, some of us need to get to work because we don't have time. We can't afford time. There are people lost, dying, hurting, broken, depressed, and the only solution is Jesus. And Jesus has chosen that the only solution is his church, which is you and me. And I'm not, and I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to sit here and tell them to come here. I'm going to tell us, let's get to work, do our thing, then we'll go to them. Okay? We're not doing the whole event-driven thing. We're doing the thing. We're going to live the body of Christ, and God will count us faithful. He'll send them, but we're going to go get them. Right? But it doesn't work unless we're living in these small communities of people. Because they'll come in and they'll be like, this is awkward. <laughs> they'll come in and be like, this is kind of weird. But if they come in and there's joy and smiles and genuine, genuine love for one another and confidence and security, they'll come, people will come in and be like, man. And they'll just break down because God's goodness leads people to repentance. So let's be devoted to a bigger mission. I want to end by this. John Wesley, we talked about him in the beginning. His Methodist movement started with a group of four guys. Everyone say four. How many of you know three other friends? How many of you have three other friends? If you have three friends, raise your hand, okay? If you don't, I'm sorry. I'll be your friend. Come talk to me afterwards. <laughs> Four guys, they call themselves the Holy Club. Seems kind of self-righteous, but anyway. <laughs> when John Wesley died in, in 1791, he left behind a movement with 72,000 members in, in the British Isles or in Europe and 60,000 members in America. Four men from the Holy Club left a legacy of 132,000. Not just 132,000 followers on Instagram or YouTube. 132,000 followers who are meeting in small groups centered on the, on the spiritual disciplines and centered on Jesus. That's a legacy I want. Not followers, disciples of Jesus. And I hope you want the same. And this is what, a, this is what Margaret uh, Mead says. She says, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, 
committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. John 14, 12 says, truly, truly, this is Jesus talking, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. You guys, we can see things that Jesus, we can see things that Jesus didn't even experience because he's at the center of our relationships and friendships and our communities and our church. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, I just, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just confirm this. God, I pray for those that are nervous because they want this, but they don't know what to do. Holy Spirit, you are so good. I pray that you empower them. You bring the right people at the right time. I pray, God, that when they, when they take the risk and they have the conversation with a friend, that it's like met with grace and met with excitement, God. And I just pray that you would, God, be glorified in our community. I pray that you would be God, that we would just encounter your spirit, your love, your truth, your correction, your, your direction. God, I just pray that you would, God, do a work in our group, God, to desire this devoted Acts 2.42 community, this devoted Acts 2 way of being a Christian, which is, is, is consistent, committed, which is sacrificial and generous, which is loving the scriptures and loving Jesus and loving each other. And I just thank you, God, for doing something that I could never do in a message, which is changing hearts, convicting, inspiring, God, and loving us only the way that you know how to love us. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, guys. Hey, just before Natalie comes up, reminder, we're going to do communion um, after in our community groups. And-